Welcome, friends, to our second season of the Reynolds Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Reynolds, and this podcast is meant to encourage and bless you as you seek to live an authentic life in Christ Jesus. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button to get updates on original content each week. And also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and online at rayreynoldsrap.com. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to Reynolds Wrap. It is good to be with you today. Hope you're having a great week. And, you know, I I always look forward to spending some time sharing some thoughts from God's Word and encouraging you. I hope that uh, Reynolds Wrap's a blessing to you, and hopefully you share it with other people. Uh, Each week we try to conquer a new topic, something that I think will help. It helps me. Hopefully it'll help you in our walk with God to be more genuine, to be more authentic, to be real with ourselves and with others. From the very beginning of this uh, podcast a couple of years ago when I began dreaming about uh, doing one, and I've listened for years, but finally decided to kind of launch out there on my own and and do my own podcast, I wanted to do some topical things. Sometimes you, at least when I listen to podcasts, uh, and I'm not certainly not trying to put anybody down, but I've had some that I followed and it seemed like the first 15 minutes was introduction and you know maybe a few announcements, the things that they're doing and books that they're writing. And by the time they get ready to get started, it's time to shut down. And then they may go seven weeks before they post something else. <laughs> You're just like, well, what's the purpose of the podcast? I'm not really getting it. You know, it sounds like a fun little, you know, conversation catching up with a friend, but um, I want to get something out of it. So what I try to do with our uh, podcast here is to try to give you a, a different theme or topic each day that can encourage you, and uh, you know maybe something you look at it and you go, yeah, you know, I don't know if I really need that. I want to you know skip that that topic, and you can do that. So uh, it says right in the topic heading uh, what we're going to be you know discussing, and then so you kind of get a. a an update on uh, where we're going before we get started. And today I want to talk about fear. Um, Today, if you Google uh, phobia or phobias, if you Google anxiety, you're going to get a whole list of stuff. Now, be careful, by the way, when you Google things, because those things are going to come up in ads in your phone and on your desktop, laptop, tablet, whatever, iPad for years. So just be careful when you Google stuff. But uh, I, I, I've often been fascinated with the phobias that people have. And I'm not going to try to be one of those uh, individuals that tries to give you, you know, 100 different phobias, because I'm sure that if I did mention them by their, by their technical name, I'd, I'd mess them up. And, and you might even find that you have some phobias you didn't know about. But if you're, <laughs> if you're desiring to learn more, about the kind of fears that people have. You can go to uh, phobia.com, phobias.com, phobialist.com, uh, and and check those out. Um, you probably want to do it in fear of, you know, <laughs> making sure you're not guilty of more than what. And I use that as a pun because it is a, it is a, a topic that uh, is sensitive, but again, it is one that uh, it's about fear. There are people that are afraid of, uh, things like snakes. They're afraid of spiders. There are people that are afraid of death. They're afraid of public speaking. Some people have afraid a fear of um, roller coasters. Uh, they're a fear of pain, of wild animals crossing the street. I mean, you name it. There's fear of chickens. There's fear of cows. There's fear of staying single. There, uh, there's fear of infinity. There's fear of being touched. I mean, there's even fear. There's one that's a fear of having peanut butter stick to the roof of your mouth. 
there's a fear of men, there's a fear of women, there's a fear of vomiting. You know, I mean, there's, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. I, uh, I sometimes I share with people my anxieties, and I do suffer from anxiety. Uh, but there are a lot of things that people are afraid of that I, it just you know it doesn't bother me. Some people are afraid of heights. That doesn't bother me. Afraid of flying? Nope, that's not me. Obviously, I don't have a fear of communication or public speaking. Uh, I'm not afraid of death. I know where I'm going to go when I leave this world. Um, now, if it got closer, I might have a little bit of anxiety in that. Uh, I'm not afraid of snakes. I'm not afraid of spiders. Um, I have no problem with killing them. I don't freak out if a spider gets on top of me. Um, I'm not going to talk about a lot of these things. because If you're in the car, you're going to get nervous, so I'll stop. But my fear, my biggest fear... Uh, and I know where it comes from. It, it goes back to my youth. But I'm, I am, believe it or not, I'm, you know, I'm 6'4", 300 pounds, big guy, you know, played football in high school, ran track, you know, um, played basketball most of my high school. I, I quit my, the end of my junior year to focus on football. But uh, of the one thing, the only thing I'm really afraid of is winged creatures. And I'm not talking about birds. I love birds. Um, I was out here talking to the birds this morning, but I, I do not like wasps and bees and hornets. I just cannot, when they're in the vicinity, in fact, down here we have yellow flies on the Gulf Coast. If you know what that is, is they look just like a normal fly, only they've got some yellow in them and a little thicker, and they'll land on you, and if you don't get them quick, they bite you. Uh, yellow flies, I've been told, surface down here whenever there's a, a heavy amount of seaweed on the beach and they come in and they, you know, they, I guess they munch on that seaweed and, uh, they come up the coast and they munch on people too. So they just, I guess they're just nibbling, but, uh, but I do not, I absolutely, I cannot, if there's a wasp, if there's a hornet, a bee, I'm getting better about bees, to be honest. I think we've, we're, we've made a, we've made an agreement, the bees and I, that, uh, you know, I like their honey. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm getting better about bees. They, they don't freak me out like they used to. Um, and I have been stung hundreds and hundreds of times. Uh, the fear, the fear and the phobia comes from two things. Okay. The first one reason why I'm afraid of, of, bees and hornets and wasps is because when I was a kid, I was probably kindergarten, first grade, and um, we had a, we've always had tire swings for as long as I can remember. My dad just loved to put up a tire swing in the yard, and so it's kind of neat when you look out, you got a big tree and got a tire swing. So we uh, we lived in the city, but we had put up a tire swing um, on a tree, and he always got these big ropes from uh, – he worked in the oil field for Dowell Slumberjay. And so he somehow he always was able to find a rope. And usually they weren't like – you know, obviously they weren't brand new. And you can find a tire anywhere, even on the side of the road. And so we'd throw a tire up, and we'd swing on it and have fun. And uh, if I remember right, I think we had one house. My brother would know, but I think we had one house where we had two tire swings, at, and we would take them and time together and all that. But I remember, I remember having the tire swing at this one house, and I guess it was a yellow jacket or a red wasp. Something stung my brother. It, it, I had assumed that it was inside of the tire, so probably a red wasp. Um, but we did have a lot of stings from yellow jackets in the ground. And I, I had one time I was attacked by yellow jackets, probably stung 20 times. It was awful. That was here when I lived in, in, uh, in Foley. But, um, 
anyways, my brother got stung and, uh, I don't remember if it was once or twice, three times, I don't know, but I remember that he got stung and we, we ran in to tell my mother, I did, while a friend of ours was standing there with him. And when I came out, he was starting to swell up. And this is just, we're talking about just minutes after he had been stung. And my mother, of course, we rushed him to the emergency room and found out that he has a, um, an allergic reaction to bee stings and to wasp stings. There's something in the venom, I guess, in the, in the sting, but he like nearly died. It was scary. Like he stopped breathing. And, um, of course being a six year old, maybe five, six, seven year old, it freaked me out. I thought realized that even though you can't see these creatures, these little flying winged creatures of death, you know, you can't see them, but they have the power to kill you. Like, that's what I thought. And so from a young age, anytime I heard a buzz or if I saw one come in the house or if I saw a nest in the corner of the porch, you know, I wanted to kill them. I wanted to real quick get spray. And I still do that. In fact, right now at my house, I bet I have six cans of wasp spray. And it's funny because the end of the season, they always put them on clearance and I'll buy like 10 of them, even though they're probably on clearance for a reason. But I, I, do, I just... I hate wasps. I hate bees. I hate hate any winged creature. I was preaching one time in North Alabama at Pine Hill Church Christ, and I got up to start preaching. And ironically, I was talking about uh, overcoming anxiety and fear, and a hornet was in the building, and I couldn't preach. I couldn't focus. Uh, I kept kind of jumping off to the side, and um, finally, one of the elders, John Lloyd Ballantyne, he was awesome. And he gets up, and he, he brings his Bible up there, and he goes, you preach, I'll take care of the wasp. You know, of course, I'm preaching a little bit, and I'm looking, and all of a sudden, whack, he just slammed it, and he killed it right there, and everybody laughed, and I went on with my sermon just fine. But I, I have that fear, I know it is, because of that moment I had when I was when I was a child, and I watched my brother. And since then... Um, I get stung several times a year, a lot. I, I, it's one of those things where it's it's kind of like, uh, was it Funny Farm? What's the Chevy Chase movie? Uh, maybe a Funny Farm where he, he, he has the guy that's been struck by lightning so many times, 50 times or whatever, 100 times. He's been stung. <laughs> he's been hit by lightning. And that's me. I would say if I were able to, to collect the number, which only God knows, I've been stung probably a few hundred times uh, I, I buy all kinds of winged things. And so it happens every year, two, three, four times. I was one time I was, I was carrying a, a load, helping somebody move. And I got hit three times by red wasps in the head before I could set the box down. And so a doctor told me, I don't know if this is true, but he told me that one of the reasons why is because I perspire a lot. I sweat a lot. And they, they come towards um, that perspiration. So basically, they're attracted to that. So I thought, well, that makes sense. So they have a pact against me. <laughs> that's, what, that's the way I look at it. You know, they, the wasps get together and they say, okay, it's stinging season. Who's going to get ready this year? But um, I do. I, I have that fear. So what, what is your fear? I don't know. You, you may, I don't know if you can name it out loud. If you, I met a lady once, she was afraid of cotton balls absolutely scared to death of cotton balls. And so you probably think like with me, I, I have a really hard time for people that say I'm scared. I don't like public speaking. I just, I'm like, how can you be, you can't communicate. Oh no, I can't communicate in front of a crowd. And I just think that's 
that's odd, you know, but I help, I help students through it each year. Um, preaching, teaching at Titus camp here with my students that I'm working with and the youth, we get them over that phobia, that fear. But you may look at somebody else's anxiety and say, that's silly. That's crazy. You can overcome that. But what I want to share with you today is fear can actually be harmful to you. It can be harmful to uh, yourself. It can be harmful to your relationships. It can be harmful in your relationship with God. Uh, now, I think that we do need to have a healthy fear of God himself. I mean, that's no doubt. I mean, we look and we define what fear really means. It means to be in awe of God, to, to have a reverent respect of God. And that's, that's good. That's a good thing. Um, you know, fear leads us to knowledge. Uh, Proverbs 1, 7 and, and uh, Psalm 111 verse 10 say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fear can lead us to righteousness. Proverbs 14, 2 says, he who walks in uprightness fears the Lord. So if you're a righteous person, you have fear of God. In other words, you, you don't have a fear of going to hell. You have a fear of doing what God wants you to do because you know his eyes always on you. Psalm 33, 18. Uh, we have a fear of uh, being led to safety or to salvation. You know, we have a fear of whether or not we're going to get on the right road, take the right route. Cornelius was motivated by that kind of fear in the Lord, uh, Acts 10, 2 says. So we're, we're, a fear of God is healthy. It's, it's a good thing. Well, what do we know about God that makes us fear him? Well, we fear him because of his power, we, because we have a wholesome, loving respect and reverence of who he is and what he has done, that he's the creator we um, that fear can motivate us to do good. You know, we want to make him happy. We want to we want to show him that we love him. And I think the Psalms are written by people who feared God because they mostly sing praise to him. And it's not coming from a you know shaking in your boots kind of fear. Um, but they praise God because there is something. It's not because he he's so frightening you want to run from him, but it's that he is so powerful you want to run to him. Does that make sense? So like. Psalm 145, 21 says, all flesh shall bless his name, his holy name forever and ever because of him existing in eternity. I mean, we, we bless him, we fear him because we know that while we're alive, he is the ultimate authority. He's the creator. He gave us life. So you don't just, you don't look at God like this big teddy bear or best buddy that doesn't really want to enforce the rules is going to give you a, give you a, give you a pass. And I've seen people do that. You know, this whole buddy Jesus thing. But but I also don't think the pendulum needs to swing where we're just absolutely scared he's going to hit us with lightning bolts in the rear end every time we make a mistake. That 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 is and and if and if you don't appropriately approach God in prayer or in reverence, then he's you know he's just going to kill you. That's not the way I look at God either. So we need to look at it from a consistent point of view. You know, if you're sinful. If you do practice wickedness or, or unrighteousness, there has to be a penalty for that, right? There, there has to be a punishment for those sins. But if you are in a good relationship with God, you don't have to fear him like in that way. You don't have to fear that he's going to punish you because he's already saved you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. Um, and I do think not only do we need to have a fear of God in that reverent awe and respect, there is a, I hate to say a fear, but it's kind of a semi-healthy uh, recognition, if you want to call it, of, of our enemy, of Satan. Do, should we fear the devil? I mean, should we, people say, oh, you got to be scared, the devil's out to get you. No, my God is stronger than Satan, right? I mean, God is our protector. 
He's the one who is going to save us. God is going to take care of us. Um, recognizing some things about Satan, though, we, we have to have a, a healthy understanding of what he can do, what he can take away from us, uh, how he can, you know, I mean, but but ultimately, his fate sealed, right? We understand that, you know, Christ rose from the dead, he defeated Satan, he blew a a, a death blow to to the devil. Uh, I love 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, Paul says uh, he's put all things under his feet, and by saying all things are under him, it's evident that uh, he, he who put all things under him is expected. You know, like it's like God expected that Jesus would be in charge, you know, that he would take take the reins, that he would defeat the devil, and that's clearly exactly what happened. We would have no hope for eternity if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus, right? But we also recognize that he defeated the devil. And that's a big part of understanding this this all-reverent respect for God is to have a healthy understanding, a semi-healthy fear of what the devil is capable of. And one of the promises Jesus gave to Peter was the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against the church, Matthew 16. I think we've forgotten that in the church, but we have to remember the devil still wants to come after us. He still wants to hit us hard. So you kind of have to have a, a healthy respect for what he is capable of and what he's doing. You know, you don't want to let your, you don't want to go to sleep on your enemy, right? But at the same time, remember hell wasn't created for you. Hell was created for the devil. Um, and then there's the, all the unhealthy fears, the unhealthy fears that we have, all these things that I talked about. Again, you can go to those websites and see there are literally hundreds and hundreds. Um, there's, there's fear of taking a bath. There's a fear of plants. There's a fear of too much hair on your head, a fear of feces. You know, I mean, there's a fear of touching the skin of an animal. It goes on and on and on, a fear of hoarding. Uh, There are so many unhealthy fears, and our world is full of people that have anxiety and frustration. We're overwhelmed in a generation of ADD, ADHD, depression, uh, and so people just, we get wrapped up in it. And I think we're self-aware of that. I think that most people, if they're honest with themselves, they can admit the things that they're afraid of. They can admit their insecurities. We're getting to that point as a society that I think that's easier because more and more people are being real and honest. And that's where the church has got to, we can't fall asleep on this, right? Um, I talked to somebody about this just yesterday. So I won't mention his name, but anyways, we were talking about it and he was talking about how, you know, in the church, we, we have a tendency to uh, basically hide from certain things, certain sins or certain mistakes, certain backgrounds. Uh, and as an example, one of the things we run from, and we're going to deal with this in the Reclaiming Hope podcast, uh, Missy and I already got some outlines of some things we want to talk about and we will have those online. We're hoping to have them uh, by the end of January, but it will be in the next week or two that those will be up is Misty and I are going to talk about the subject of divorce as just a clear, plain example. And there's going to be people that don't like it. They're going to, they're not going to like the direction that we take um, because in the church, we do have a tendency to screen out people that have been divorced you know, you once you've been through uh, a traumatic situation like that, you need somebody to help heal you, and you need somebody to to be there for you. And unfortunately, it, most congregations are not equipped to do that. Our our tendency is to screen those people out. You know, we 
We don't talk to them. We don't really know how to interact with them, especially if they were a member of that church when they went through the divorce. Because usually it's, it's like you, got, you have to side with one or the other. And you almost want them to just kind of move on down the road because you don't want to have to live in that trauma. And that's just so sad because we, we all have pain. We all have struggles that we, over, we have to overcome. And, and the church has got to do a better job of doing ministry to people. And, you know, this is one of my soapboxes. That's why we're going to have a whole podcast on it. But the fact is I was talking to this man about how we do. We screen people out that have been divorced. We screen people out if they've gotten pregnant out of wedlock. We screen people out if they're overcoming addiction. We screen people out if they've committed adultery. We screen people out if, you know, they're alcoholics, if they've had drug addiction in the past. We just screen them out. We we don't – we have a tendency, Christians as a whole – have a tendency to not want to talk about those things. And maybe it's because we don't want to talk about our own sin. Maybe it's because we're not comfortable talking about the mistakes that we've made and we've got to get past that. I mean, the, uh, the world is grasping this. I mean, people, you talk to like, for instance, millennials, I am amazed at how open some millennials are to talking about their struggles. They're totally self-aware. They'll just say, Hey, I suffer with anxiety. You know, Hey, I, I've been depressed. Hey, I've thought about suicide. You know, hey, I've, you know, the other day I smoked pot. You know, I've, I've had, I had a teenager walk right up to me and say that they had had sex the weekend before and they were struggling with that. And you're just like, okay, all right. Now, for my generation, if I had had, a, and it wasn't a friend, just some random person in the church walked up and said that to me, I'd be like, okay, uh, what's wrong with you? We don't talk about that here. <laughs> but as I've, I've grown in my faith and as a minister and obviously overcome a lot of, overcoming a lot of obstacles in my own life, that's a healthy thing for us to have a relationship with our brothers and sisters where we can talk about our struggles, our sins. So we have, a, we have this fear that we have to overcome within ourselves to, to look. We're afraid of what we see in the mirror. We're afraid of, of what we've done. And so why is it that people are afraid of, of certain things? Like, for instance, public speaking. It's because they're afraid of people seeing them for who they are. They're afraid of, of getting up and, and saying something and, and being look, looked at like a stutterer, you know, or someone who doesn't know the subject matter. And fear of death is often because of a lack of self-confidence in one's salvation. You know, if you, if you really know that you're saved, you shouldn't fear death. Fear of ridicule is a fear of self-esteem. You know, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to be, people put me down. I don't want to step out there because they have self-esteem issues. A, a fear of not being good enough comes from self-worth. You don't really don't think you're valuable enough. And I think that that's one, one reason why I think the the podcast, the Reynolds Rap podcast is gaining some steam and and with certain people is because they feel this way. They don't feel like they're worthy. They don't feel like they've and you may be listening right now going, that's exactly why I tune in. That's why that's why I listen to Reynolds Rap is because we we have, if you're like me, you've had those moments where you think, I'm just worthless. I'm not I can't do anything, you know, I, I just feel like I'm you know, I'm not loved, I'm turned away. People that I've trusted have betrayed me that um you know, there have been negative things that have happened in my life, and m- many of them are my own fault, but also many of them are not. And you know, why is it that these things happen? And so you 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 lose self esteem. You you have a fear of your own self worth. You think you're not worthy. You're not valuable enough. And you know, for instance, with with women, it can be you know that you're in your 30s and you still haven't found somebody to spend the rest of your life with. Maybe you got married early on and it lasted for a few years and then it, it fell off. Or maybe you're still there. You're, you just, you're not finding the right one and you think, what's wrong with me? 
Well, what's nothing's wrong with you per se. You are exactly the way God created you. You just haven't found that person. With guys, it may be with their job. That's a, a real insecurity. Is why can't they find the place where they feel like they're they're used and needed and and valuable? You know why? Why is that? Maybe with their children, men are really insecure sometimes about their family unit. They're you know they relate to mama more. They go to their grandparents. They just don't respect me. They you know I'm not really the head of my house. And so these kinds of things just overwhelm. And the reason why Satan uses fear is because it's a distraction from the reality. In most cases, we fear something because of a past experience or because of a perceived future experience. We, we are worried about what might happen if we did something. And we can't get distracted from the right here, the right now, the reality of life. In uh, Matthew 25 is an example. Peter, you know, walks out on the water. Jesus says, hey, look, if you want to come on out, come on out. And he steps out onto the water and he walks for a little bit, but then he sinks. Well, what makes him sink? What is it that, that makes Peter, you know, start to drown? Well, Jesus tells him that in verse 31, he says, your faith is too small. Uh, Peter didn't sink because, um, you know, he didn't have the ability to walk on the water. God had given him the ability to walk on the water. He was performing a miracle as he stepped out. He had enough faith to get out of the boat. He just didn't have enough faith to keep his eyes on Jesus. So our fear is really a faith problem. And so when we encounter something difficult, when our anxiety kicks in, and I'm talking to myself too. I know I struggle with anxiety as well. You've got to let your faith kick in, not your fear. There's no need to worry about all the cares of this world. Your Lord is going to take care of it. The psalmist says, even in the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I'll fear no evil. How could he say that? You know, he understands that one day he's going to die anyway. He understands that his soul's going to live forever. He understands that there's hope beyond the grave. So he says, I'm not going to be distracted by the shadows of death. It's not even death. It's just the shadow of death. And so fear is a distraction from the reality. It's not what's going on. It's what you perceive is going to happen if you do something. And so it distracts you. Fear is also destructive for your soul. Jesus warned us not to worry about those that can destroy the body, but the one who can destroy the body and the soul. He's talking about He's talking about God. It goes back to a fear, reverence, respect, and awe of God. And yet the Bible says repeatedly, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. 365 times. In Lamentations 357, Jeremiah says that he called out to God, you know, needing help. And God said, hey, you want, you want an answer? Don't fear. God, I, I'm overwhelmed with anxiety and I'm depressed and I'm frustrated. What's the, what's the solution? Don't fear. That, God, I don't understand. I don't get it. How, how am I supposed to? Just don't fear. Let faith be your default. Trust in God. Don't look at the situations. See, fear is a sign of desperation in your life. We have fear when we don't know what else to do. We don't know what else to think. You know, and we're, we're, feared, we're fearful of all kinds of things today. We're fearful of terrorism and violence and pollution and death and doubt and global calamity. We're even afraid of religion. We're afraid of politics. The Hebrew writer wants us to understand in Hebrews 13, 5, and 6, you can't do anything to save yourself. You just need to learn to be content. Learn to be content. You can't do nothing. Man can't do anything to you. The devil may have the ability to take your life. He may have the ability to take your, your, your possessions. He may have the ability to, to tear your family apart for that matter. But he can't take your soul to hell. 
That's your choice, not his. And I think Paul understood that perfectly in Philippians 4. That's why he says, I'm going to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. And he goes all the way through that list of things that he wants to think about. And then he says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when you look at not only what Paul says to the Philippian church, what he says to the Roman church, you know, look at Romans 8 as an example. I mentioned a moment ago, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. He, you know, Christ has saved you. There's no condemnation you need to be fearful of. And it also tells us that our current suffering is nothing compared to the joys of heaven. All of the things that you're going through are simply temporary. It's like trying to explain to a child, you remember when you were little? Or maybe if you have kids, you've gone through this before, and it's time for shots. I hated it when my mother said, it's time for your annual shots, or it's time to go in and get... I've still got the shot card. My mother gave it to me. I was in a packet of stuff when she passed away. And I've got the card of all the t- all my immunization shots. And I can remember going in... You know, I hated tetanus shots. I hated it. I try to keep track of when I've had it, so that way if I step on a nail or something, I don't have to get it again. Because I don't want one. I don't, I don't want to have to get it unless it's absolutely necessary. We're so fearful of that needle. For years, I wouldn't take shots. I would tell the doctor, give me the pills, give me the pills. And it'd take me three times as long to get over whatever sickness I was going through. And finally, I realized if you just take the shot, it'll be over with faster. When I get a sinus infection, I step in there and say, give me that steroid shot. You know, it's going to make me flush. I'm going to have a bad, bad mood for about 48 hours, but I don't care. I want the shot and I want it now. You know, I take the flu shot every year. Many of you probably do too. Still deciding about the COVID shot thing. I'm, I probably will, but that's a whole nother subject. But we get so scared of the shot and it's just for a second. It's just for a moment. Our suffering is just for a moment. Why would we have anxiety to overwhelm us when it's something that is so minute, so small, and so limited? In uh, Romans eight twenty six, it says the Holy Spirit helps us in time of weakness. I mean, if, if he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world, and the Holy Spirit resides in you as a child of God, Romans eight twenty eight and 29, or 38, we look at, start thinking about, um, look, at look at Acts 2 as an example. Start looking at Acts 2. Start thinking about how the promise that that um, that that uh, Peter makes to the people. You know, the, the Holy Spirit's going to reside in you and to your children, to those who are far off. I mean, it's a promise. It's a promise for all generations. And again, going to Romans 8, he says he's going to help you in your weaknesses. We can know that all things work together for good. I mean, that's awesome. And then verse 37, he says in Romans 8, you can be more than conquerors. That means, okay, so like concrete, winning and victory is pretty cool, right? When you win, he says you're going to be more than a winner. You're going to be more than just victorious because the reward from the victory is greater than the victory itself. So he reminds us again, if God is for us, who can be against us in verse 31 of Romans 8? And he goes on to say in verses 37 through 39, there's absolutely nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of God. So why would we have all these fears and anxieties why wouldn't we just lay them down at the foot of the cross? Why wouldn't we just give them to God? I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? So I want to encourage you to think about what it would take to lay down all your fears and all of your anxieties at the foot of the cross, to simply let it go. Would you do that? We've got to overcome our fears and we've got to let faith become our default. Let the faith you have in God 
lead you and guide you and keep you from the insecurity, keep you from the anxiety of whatever Satan's going to throw your way because you're more than conquerors. There's no condemnation and he's going to bless you. So whatever you're struggling with today, lay it at the foot of the cross, give it to God and let him handle it because you're not equipped to handle it on your own. Don't let anxiety overwhelm you. Let God bless you and keep you and you will, you'll have a life, a well-lived You'll have a life that is blessed, and you'll definitely encourage other people by your, by your great example. Go have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get updates on original content each week. Follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. Also, if you'd like to suggest a topic for an upcoming broadcast, or if you'd like to email me a question, or if you have a prayer request, you can send that to rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day, and may the Lord bless you as you seek to live an authentic life in Christ Jesus. Thank you.